is our hope? Well, I want to tell you, it's very important that you have some hope. Because you see, you not only have world problems that I've mentioned, but you've got your own personal problem. You've got your own personal pressures. You've got your own personal hell that you're living in right now, and you're looking for a way out and a way of escape. How am I going to get out from under this load I'm carrying? Maybe you're failing in, at the university. Maybe it's a broken love affair. It may be something else. Pressure from your parents. Whatever it may be, maybe your parents are broken up and it's torn you up. And you feel the pressure and you want to run and hide and you want to escape. You've tried the drug route. You've tried the alcohol and it hasn't worked. Well, it's very important that you have hope. If you ever lose your hope, you're finished. Old or young. What oxygen is for the lungs, such as hope for the meaning of human life. And the fate of humanity is dependent, I believe, in its supply of hope. Well, hello, and welcome to Remember God Loves You. And I'll meet you at the finish line. Well, I hope you guys are having an awesome day, because I know I am, because today is a day that the Lord hath made. And we shall rejoice and praise and be glad in it. And God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. It is... Monday, November 27th of our dear Savior's birth here. You know, and not only that, but it is a very cold, cold day. And I think it's important that there's something that I have that I thought about, actually, since doing yesterday's, devo yesterday's devotional. And that is talking about how blessed I am. You know, I think... I think I tend to overlook on the things that, uh, on life. What do I mean by that? Well, part of accepting responsibility is being thankful. Thankful for what God has given in each of our lives. And also just being thankful for the opportunity that God has placed in each of our lives. And that's something we cannot forget. And so, in today's Blackaby, we are going to be talking about God is with you. And I absolutely love that. <clears throat> in Zechariah 8.23, we start off saying, The Lord of the hosts says, In those days, ten men from Nations of every language will grab the robe of a Jewish man tightly, urging, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Zechariah 8.23 God's desire is to fill his people with his spirit so that others recognize his powerful presence in them. The presence of the Lord is a believer's life ought to be obvious. When the Spirit is almighty, God fills a believer and or believer. The believer cannot go living as before. Others will see God. God told his people through the prophet Zechariah that his presence ought to make a difference in their lives. Amen.
and amen. <clears throat> if God's people walked closely with him, people from every language and every part of the world would hear that they were a people who knew God. People would soon, or people would come from every nation on earth to find the true God among his people. If the people saw a child of God, they would long to be with him or her because in so doing, they would be with God. God gave the vivid picture of ten people clinging to one believer, hoping to find God. Christ's presence ought to be so evident in your life that the people around you are drawn to you. They should want their children to be with your children because your children are being raised with a godly influence. Employers ought to want you in their workplace. People should seek you for their leader because they know you are as someone of integrity before God. Your life and your home ought to be a magnet for people as they sense God's presence with you and your family. The more you allow Christ to make his presence evident in your life, the more people will draw near you and find him. Amen. And amen. And how cool is it when we look at life realistically? <clears throat> that God has got to be with us each and every day, each and every, even in our walk. I can't get my words correctly right. And a couple of questions I have that I think it's important to answer is in your life, this is not a rhetorical, this is a rhetorical thing. But how has God worked in your life? And that's why I came out stating that I'm so blessed and thankful to have a relationship with God. And I think we also have to look at each of our own lives. Is God, are you living the way God intended you to live? Are you living the way, because the holiday season can come about two things. Number one, we can portray ourselves as being godly by giving back to the community and by ringing the bells for Salvation Army. And we can, on paper, it looks really good. And on the outside of the picture, it looks really good. But when you go behind closed doors, are you still with God? Or are you going back to your own 12-pack? Uh, are you going back to behind a computer screen when your wife is in bed? But when you get up, you are somehow a go-getting Christian on this holiday season. And I find it to be interesting because it is very well evident in people's lives. It's evident in my life, even. For people to tell me if I'm walking in Christ or if I'm not. And it's also, and I find it to be interesting because kids do the absolutely, the craziest thing. And that is, they know if you are walking with God or if you're not. That's the thing that I find it to be interesting. And it's a good thing that they do because they can expose you whether if you are a Christian or not. And 
you know, with our devotional today, we are going back to, um, we're going back to our, on our whole thing because back to the hope and finding Jesus. So we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter two, because when we are with Christ, it is worth the journey. When we live our life and when we live by leading the example, when we have integrity, it is worth it because when we cross that finish line, you're going to get the everlasting prize. And how awesome is that? And so in Deuteronomy uh, chapter four, I'd like to apologize. We start off reading this in verse one. Now, O, o Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I teach you to observe, that you may live and go in, in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you. You shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at, ba at Baal, Pearl, for the Lord your God has destroyed from among you all the men who followed Baal up a pearl. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today. Um, every one of you. Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments just as the Lord my God commanded me that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. Therefore, be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely the great nation is a wise and understanding people. For the great nation is there that has God so near to it, as the Lord our God is to us. For whatever reason we may call upon him, and what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments, as are in all this law which I set before you this day? Only take heed of yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. And teach them your way, or, and teach them to your children and your grandchildren, especially concerning the day you stood before the Lord your God in Horeb. When the Lord said to me, Gather the people to me, and I will let them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children. Then you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire to the midst of heaven with darkness and cloud and thick darkness. And the Lord spoke to you 
Out of the midst of the fire, you heard the sound of the words, but saw no form. You only heard a voice. So he declared to you his covenant, which, <clears throat> which he commanded you to perform, the Ten Commandments. And he wrote to them on two tablets of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you, teach you statutes and judgments, that you might observe them in the day which you cross over to possess. Verse 15, take careful heed to yourselves. For you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb, out of the midst of the fire, lest you act corruptly, and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, or the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, or the likeness of any fish that is in the water beneath the earth. And take heed, lest lift your eyes to heaven, and when you see the sun, the moon, and the stars, and all the hosts of heaven, you feel driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord your God has given to all peoples under the whole heaven as a heritage. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be his people, an inheritance, as you are this day. Furthermore, the Lord was angry with me for your sake and swore that I would not cross over the Jordan and that I would not enter the good land which the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance. But I must die in the land. I must not cross over the Jordan, but you shall cross over and possess that good land. Take heed to yourselves, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God and the Lord your God, which he made with you. And make for yourselves a carved image in the form of anything which the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. When you beget, when you beget children and grandchildren, and you have grown old in the land, and act corruptly, and make a carved image in the form of anything, and do evil in the sight of the Lord your God to provoke him to anger. I call and I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day, that you will soon utterly perish from the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess. You will not prolong your days in it, but will be utterly destroyed. And the Lord will scatter you among the peoples and you will be left few in numbers among the nation which are the Lord 
will drive you. And there will serve, and there you will serve gods and work of men's hands, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you seek him. <clears throat> with him with all your hearts and with all your soul. When you are in distress and all these things come upon you in the latter days, when you turn to the Lord your God and obey his word. In verse 31, For the Lord your God is merciful God. He will not forsake you nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant of your fathers, which he swore to them. Amen. And amen. And I think I'm going to stop it there because it kind of doesn't go into redundancy, but it definitely repeats itself a little bit, not a whole lot. But with this in mind, okay, the big picture of it is, is that Jesus is worth the journey. Accepting Jesus in your heart is worth going through trials and tribulations. Like, for instance, we there's a verse that comes in mind when we talk about um, following Jesus and it's worth his journey. And that is in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in, in Bethlehem, um, Bethlehem of Judah, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, that's a kind of a cliche verse because we took about that yesterday. But it's interesting because the wise men, they found it necessary and they found the worthwhile to follow Jesus. We should do the same thing. Because searching for the truth isn't, part, isn't a part-time job by any means. It takes everything you have. The wise men teach us this in the Christmas story. The wise men wrote, <clears throat> the wise men were willing to go to any length to find truth. As we read in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. It says, when Jesus was born, some wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. We can assume that the wise men traveled many miles from the far east to the Middle East at great expense to find Jesus. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which is just six miles from Jerusalem. At that time of Jesus' birth, Jerusalem was the spiritual center of the world. All kinds of spiritual activity was taking place in Jerusalem. All the major religious leaders of the world were in Jerusalem. But none of them were seeking Jesus. Only people on the outside, the wise men from a completely different culture, were looking for Jesus. King Herod missed baby Jesus. So did the business leaders of Bethlehem. And you too can have Jesus right in your midst and still miss him if you're not looking for him. But the wise men looked for Jesus. They were willing to make a four to five month trip across a scorching hot desert to find Jesus. 
they were serious about seeking God and they were willing to do whatever it took to find him. That's wise. That's very wise. <clears throat> it's what we need to do as well. We can't let anything get in the way of our search for God. It's the most important achievement in the world. And Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl that is so valuable, we will sell everything we have to get it. It seems that the wise men from the East understood this long before Jesus ever spoke the parable. And the wise men were willing to give up everything they had to worship Jesus. They were willing to give up the comforts of their homes for a long, tough journey because they had the right motive in searching for Jesus and they wanted to worship him. So the question is, what are we willing to give up to search for Jesus? What are you willing to give up? Are you willing to give up NFL Sundays for Jesus? Because the holiday season can kind of take that away from us because we're going to have more and more games this Sundays and even on Saturdays to the point where we're going to have, it's kind of sad this coming holiday season on Christmas Eve, there's going to be a game, uh, football, uh, NFL football game at night. It's kind of a bummer because it's taking a lot of people away from the church. Are you willing to give up that time to be with God? Are you willing to give up the bowl games that are going to be on Sunday and that's going to be on, on Sunday eve afternoons and the potential Saturdays to not only be with God, but to be with your family? Because that can damage a relationship in our families. Are you willing to do that? That's called giving up because after all, we... Jesus gave up his ultimate life for us so that we can have that opportunity. So with this in mind, I'm going to end it with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us together. We thank you that we can just come here in reverence of you, Lord. May you guide, may you guide us as we continue on the path that you have before us. Give us the hope that we long for, Lord. Give us the hope because you truly are an awesome God. Give us the opportunity for us to give up everything that we have. Give up a stumbling block so that we can go unto you. And we can worship you and we can glorify your name. Because you are an awesome God. May you guide us and protect us as we continue on the path that you have to be for us. So that when we cross that finish line, Lord, we can run into your arms. And we can hear you say to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Well, with this in mind, guys, I hope you have a blessed day. And remember, God loves you. And I'll meet you at the finish line. Bye.
I'm not gonna be afraid Cause these waves are only waves I'm not gonna be